that. These guys traveled distances to see him. They were expecting something great and awesome. But instead, they get this. So verse, uh, I think, 26 says, uh, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. That's not really what anybody was expecting, including the disciples. They were like you, I'm sure. You're being told, I have to hate the people I love to follow you? It's this shocking question. It's not amazing. It's not powerful. And then the kicker is, he says all of that, and then he just keeps walking. He doesn't stay. He doesn't explain it. He just turns around and keeps going. And though that crowd is left there to think, well, what was that? And so many questions just flood your mind. They flooded the disciples' mind. We get such a confusing message. And we hear this powerful word of hate. And, and today, you know, we, t- we, we teach our kids, that's not really a nice word to say. Ronan, what does the word hate mean? If you say something like that, what's mommy going to tell you? If you say, I hate spaghetti. (laughs) I know. But what if you said that? Or what if you said, Ronan, what if you said, I hate Elizabeth? What's mommy going to say to you? Don't say that. Why not? Because it's not nice. Will it hurt my feelings? Yeah. It's not a nice thing to say. But Jesus is saying it, Ronan. Jesus says we have to hate people to believe in Jesus. What does that mean? That's just crazy. He tells us we have to hate. And like it just goes against everything inside of us to hate the people we love. So some context in some other versions, instead of hate, they they go with a lesser uh, powerful word. And so some versions say... um, Instead of hate, they say, let go. Let go of your father and your mother, your wife and your children, your brothers and your sisters, and even your own life. Others say, abandon. Abandon your father, your mother. Abandon your brothers and your sisters. Abandon your own life. Even others say, love me more. Love that stuff less. Love me more. Love Jesus more. It's clearly that the using that word hate is very powerful. Jesus is clearly using it in an exaggeration to get you to think, oh my goodness, what is he saying? To get you to rethink your life. And when I, when I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, the story of the big fish. You know, you went fishing, Frank, you went fishing and you, and you bought, you've caught a fish that was this big today, but tomorrow how big is it? tomorrow it all of a sudden it was this big or you caught one fish today but tomorrow you caught 10 fish (laughs) that's right the story gets bigger and bigger and bigger right so Jesus is using hate to make us really think have we are we willing to let go of those of those things and those people in our lives to follow him he Jesus expects and demands your attention our attention 
He wants all our desire all the time. Every moment of your day, every decision of your life, every step forward, he desires your time and your thoughts. Jesus demands that our loyalty to and our love for him be greater than any other affection and any other attachment in our life, including our own families and our own life. We see some more illustrations of this in other uh, books uh, through the Bible. You don't have to jump to these. We'll, we'll stay on in Luke. But uh, Matthew 10, 37 uh, talks about, again, fathers and mothers. It says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Genesis 29, 31. This is about uh, talking about Leah and Rachel and the difference between them. So just an illustration about that hate word. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah was loved less than Rachel, and so Leah, uh, Leah was given a child. She was loved less. Malachi 1, 2-3. This is a story about Jacob, Jacob and Esau, and... Uh, Reminding us, reminding the people. So this is a time in the Bible where the people are complaining. The the Christians are doubting that God even loves them. They're going through a rough time in their life. And they're complaining to God. Why me? Why don't you love me? And God responds with, I have loved Jacob. Jacob being their father. He's the father of Israel. Jacob is the father. I have loved Jacob, I have hated Esau. Historically, the families of Esau showed absolutely no love, no interest towards God, towards his ways. God allowed Jacob to inherit the promises, to inherit the kingdom, to inherit the the future, becoming the father of the chosen people. God says that he's kind and loving to everyone, but his friends know that they are loved by the relationship and the experience that, we sh- that they share with God. Those, those families of Jacob that were complaining were actually the closest to him. They were, they were to be loved by him, experience God the most. Jesus welcomes all the people. He loves those that are curious and wanting to learn more. And he eagerly waits for people to want relationship with him. We see another uh, story about this in, uh, in Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower. Well, you're going to sit here for a minute, so if you want to turn to Luke 8, I will too, actually, if I can find the Bible. So we have talked about the parable of the sower before, and I just wanted to use it as another illustration of, of uh, the cost. All right, so the parable of the sower. I'll read through it, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. Jesus traveled from about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. We're going to skip ahead there. While a large cloud was, crowd was gathering, so again... Another instance, he's got this large crowd, so you're thinking, okay, it's going to be something good. But he says this, 
A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He continues a little bit more, but then the same thing happens. He turns, gets up, and walks away. He says all of this, and that's it. Walks away, and the disciples question him again. What was that about? Later on, he he starts to describe it. I won't read it word for word, but we're going to talk about it. So the disciples again question him. You just had this huge crowd. You could have said something amazing, and you told them about seeds. It's paper. Actually, it's my bookmark. Thank you. So Catherine, did we plant seeds in the spring? Remember letter G day? We did G's when we were in lockdown. We did the alphabet. And we got to letter G day. And what was G for? Do you remember, Mackenzie? No, G, g g g Grandma. Goosebumps. What do we do as we get older? We, we start little and we what? We grow. So we planted seeds. Catherine, I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, We're going to talk about that. So Catherine's reminding me, the school sent home seeds. It was a sunflower, and we planted it, and it took forever to grow. It was like we planted it in in soil, obviously not very good soil, or maybe it wasn't watered enough because I'm terrible at watering things, or maybe I left it outside and the frost got it. But it just didn't grow, right, Mackenzie? The, the, the sunflower seed really only got, like, here's the pot, and it got, like, up to here. Didn't grow a flower on it, never got any higher. But it just didn't grow, similar to some of those seeds in our story. But when we grow in good, in good uh, soil, we grow. So, again, Jesus isn't fond of speaking to this crowd. He says these things that are taboo, maybe hurtful, very much unexpected. You know, he's telling people, if you are that seed that's on the path, well, you shriveled up and you died. Like, right? That's pretty shocking, and they don't want to hear that, that they're that terrible. And so as they, we continue in verse 9, the disciples question Jesus, and he says to them, this is my, me summarizing it, he says to them, you guys get it. You guys question me. You follow me. They chased after him and said, what was that about? What does that mean? They wanted to know more. And his point right there is made that you are the good soil. You are the people I want to follow. I want to talk more to you because you're going to grow. I'm going to see great things come from you. Those seeds on the path, they have no interest in listening to me. They might be curious to come see what, what, if I'm real, what's the hype about? 
But really, they don't care. They just want to see if this story about Jesus is if this guy's for the real deal. But then they just go and continue their life. So why waste, why waste his time? Then there's seeds on the rock. They show a little bit more interest. They might ask a question or two. But as soon as Jesus finishes, as soon as Jesus is done, they go back and do their own plans yet again. Again, why waste his time? Then there's seeds that grow in the thorns. They take it all in. They look like they're really into it. They're, they're loving what Jesus is saying. They might follow him for, for a period of time. They might be in that crowd for days and weeks on end. But then, maybe one day, they didn't get any food. Or one day, they didn't have any place to sleep. Or any water. Or any juice, Ronan. They just, they had nothing. And they were really bummed. And so they were like, you know what, Jesus? I don't want to follow you anymore. I didn't get juice today. I didn't get chocolate milk Friday. <laughs> hey, Mackenzie? And so they say to Jesus, eh, I'm out. And they go back to their life and their distractions and whatever else they're doing. So again, Jesus is saying, I don't want to waste my time on them either. So he speaks in these stories and in these really odd parables to get those that really want to know and really want to follow, to follow him and to question him. The good soil is you, my disciples. You long to know me. You understand that I have nothing of this world. Like I said, he didn't always have food, didn't always have a place to sleep. But he wants that good soil, that lasting relationship. Put me first all the time. So that he can water that soil, fertilize your soil. He can make sure, pull all the weeds out so you're protected. He can, when you're in Terrace Bay and it's cold, he's going to put a greenhouse over you. He's going to take care of you because you're in that good soil and you're interested in knowing more and more about him. He wants to pour his everything into those people who are giving their everything. Verse 28, Jesus continues and says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. I'm sure... Quite a few of you have heard stories, real stories about this. Someone began to build a shed, a house, a camp, got halfway through, and ran out of money. Or, oh, you know what? They, have, they did everything, but they didn't have money for windows, so they just, they, just got, they just got a dump window or something that they could at least not have a hole in their house. And, you know, when you drive by your town, you're going to think, what were they thinking? What are they doing? But they ran out of money. They didn't count the cost. And following Jesus, we need to count this cost. So this is where I need my kids again. So at your spot, there should be an envelope at your kids' spots there. Each family got an envelope. 
and there's money in it. I know, they're only dollars, but that just made it easier so that I knew how much everyone had. <laughs> so we have dollars in here. And we are going to plan something and learn about counting the cost. Because stuff costs money, right? Or costs our time, or costs something. So Mackenzie, what are we going to plan? You don't know. I told you to be ready. What are we going to plan? Yogurt. No, what are we going to plan for? Yogurt. Where are we going to go? We're going to go on a vacation. We're going to plan a vacation. And the Adunos know Disney World. So we are going to virtually plan and talk about if, how to cost, count the cost. So before we use our money, just hold on to those. I'm going to give you the other versions. So these are my, my Disney World application of the parable of the sower. So first, you think to yourself in the morning, I want to go to Disney World. So you get up, you go in your car, and you start to drive. And you're just driving and driving and driving. And you get, you know what's going to happen, Ronan? You're going to get to the border, and the border is closed because of the virus. And you're going to be really bummed, and you're going to turn around and drive however far, 5, 8, 14 hours, depending on which border you went to. And you're going to drive back to Terrace Bay and be really sad that you didn't get to go anywhere and probably wasted money. You didn't count the cost. Right? We haven't even spent the money yet. Are you ready? So the, op the, the second option of my version of the parable of the sower is... Okay, you, you, you booked an airplane, you, so you can fly to right now. You can fly across the border. So you booked an airplane, you fly to Orlando, but you get there, you didn't book a hotel, you didn't know that you had to reserve a spot to get the bus. What we, what's the bus called? The Magical Express, or as we call it, the Mickey Bus. You didn't make a reservation, so now you're in the airport just sort of floundering. Probably now have to spend money on a rental car, quickly found a hotel, which is going to probably set you back more money than if you did it in this beginning. And it's going to be really frustrating and really expensive. You didn't, you didn't count the cost. Third option here is you thought you booked it all. This is the, the you, you planned it all on your own. You didn't come talk to the Adunos. <laughs> you thought you planned it all. But, so you have your airplane, you have your hotel, you have, um, you have your Mickey bus. But now, you realize you get there, you get to your room, and you're hungry. It's 5.30, it's supper time, it's Christmas time, so if, if you don't know, Christmas in Disney World is a huge, huge crowd. Massive. So you didn't book any dining reservations, so you're starving, and now you, you go to the, the, the regular restaurant, sit-down, table restaurant, and you go to the lady at the front and say, Mackenzie runs up there and says, I'm hungry, can we have a table for five people? And she looks at you, and what is she going to ask? What's she going to ask? Do you have a reservation? And Mackenzie's going to say, no, I don't have a reservation. And she's going to probably laugh at you or, or direct you maybe to a quick, to a fast food restaurant. 
Because if you didn't book your reservations ahead of time at Christmas time, you're not getting in anywhere because it's busy and it's packed. You didn't know that. You didn't count the cost. You also, Mackenzie, what's a fast pass? Can you tell us what a fast pass is? What does it help you do? Not food fast. What does it do? It makes you get what fast? No. It makes you go on the, the, the ride faster. So a fast pass make, lets you skip the regular line. If the regular line at Christmas time is like an hour long, your fast pass line might be 10 or 15 minutes. Yes. So you didn't book any of those. You didn't reserve. They don't cost money, but it saves you a ton of time. So you didn't reserve any of those. So now you're waiting in like hour, two hour lines, wasting your time. Your kids are melting down because you ran out of snacks. <laughs> Leland. And you didn't count the cost. So now this is when we plan it all. Are you ready, kids? We're going to plan it all. So get your envelopes, get your money. You're going to pull out two of your dollars two of your dollars, and they're going to be for your hotel room. So you booked your resort. It's done. Now you're going to stand up for me. Stand up. Do you have two out? Okay, so what do we book after we do? We have our hotel reservation. We need, what do we need? Which we don't need to stand up yet. We need, a, we need an airplane. So take out three dollars. And so you should have $5 beside you or to mom and dad or whoever you want to hold your money. All right. Perfect. So we have our airplane. We have our hotel reservation. Now we have to book the, we have to reserve the Mickey bus. Fronin, you are doing great. So, but listen, the Mickey bus doesn't cost money, but you have to reserve it. So instead of money, you're going to stand up, and you're going to stand on one foot, and you're going to jump twice, because that's your little, like, hooray, you booked your Mickey bus, because we actually, like, dance and stuff when we do this. <laughs> we get excited. Perfect. Okay, so you've booked three things. Now you need your dining. So Mackenzie, this is the lovely... Here, Mackenzie, take, or Ronan, you can come get it. This is the Mickey book, the Disney World book, and there's, there's restaurants in there. So Ronan, what's your favorite food? Pizza. Pizza. So Ronan's going to decide to go to California Grill. I, I, I researched last night where you would like to eat. So he booked a reservation, and he paid for it. So give mom... Or take from mom five of your dollars. So you booked a pizza restaurant. That's to sit down, to relax. Beautiful. Did you take out five of your dollars? You got to go to the pizza restaurant. Get your five dollars out for your pizza restaurant. And then my kids, we love to go to a character restaurant. So Mackenzie, we're going to go to Chef Mickey's and we're going to meet Mickey and Donald and Goofy and Minnie Mouse and Pluto. 
So you also have to pay another five to reserve that and pay for it, and you don't have to pay for it while you're there. We booked our hotel already. Okay, then we'll book one more. Where, what's one more, Daddy? Tusker House, breakfast restaurant, another $5 in your, in your pile there. We're counting our cost. Okay, and then you book your fast passes. Mackenzie, what's one of your favorite rides? Splash Mountain. Be careful, you might get wet on that. All right, uh, Zoe, do you like dolls? Do you like dollies? Yeah, do you like singing? No, do you like dancing? Do you know the song, It's a Small World? So Catherine is going to take Zoe on It's a Small World. So we booked a fast pass for that. So you get to skip the line. Not exciting. You don't have to wait in line and get bored and get frustrated. Perfect. All right. And then we like to buy groceries. So you're going to put another five of your dollars. Nothing. That's just a hooray. You don't have to stand in line. We like to have like snacks and stuff. So we bought groceries. So woohoo. And then whatever's left, you get to buy more snacks, ice cream. You get to buy souvenirs. And you get to have a great vacation. It's not going to be perfect because even life with Jesus, it's not perfect, right? There's still going to be challenges. There's still ups and downs. But you counted the cost. You now know what you were getting yourself into. Jesus wants you to know the cost of being a follower, not just a fan. A fan says, I love you. I'm committed to you, but I won't be exclusive to you. I'm going to still, you know, talk to other people. If it comes to Jesus, you know, maybe I'm going to try out different religions. I'm going to go church hopping. I'm not committed to you. Or I'm not exclusive to you. Whereas Jesus makes it clear that he will not share our affection. Following him requires your whole heart. Verse 31 gives us another illustration, and it says, Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. He's not going to run foolishly into war with only a handful of people when the other side has a huge team. Same with your, if you're playing hockey. You're not going to go and play a game of hockey with no goalie. You know you're going to lose the game. Or would you even sit and watch a game of hockey if there's no goalie? It's not going to be very entertaining because you'd probably know the final result. In the same way, in verse 33, Jesus says, Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. If you want to be a fan, you are sitting on the sidelines, like at that hockey game. 
or that concert or that movie theater. You're sitting on the sidelines. You're not in the movie. You're not playing the hockey game. You're sitting on the sidelines. What is the real cost of discipleship, of following Jesus? We need to learn to be more like him. You need to realize and see the things that are in your way and be willing to put them aside for him. Maybe those are things like relationships, possessions, positions. Maybe it's your plans for right now or your future. Maybe it's an opportunity that you think is really great, but maybe it's in your way with Jesus. We're asked to be devoted to Christ. We are placed here for his service and with his guidance. No one else's. So I have another little activity as we get close to the end here, I promise. (laughs) I want you to pull out your phone or if you have a, a paper and a pen, kids, You guys have extra paper and crayons in your book or in your little box. If you you guys can draw me pictures of what I'm gonna ask, okay? You can color a picture on top or on another little spot. Look. All right, so these are your questions to reflect on here. Are you a fan or a follower? For what do you sacrifice your money? Write it down. Quit with the first few things that come to mind. For what do you sacrifice your money? Draw a picture. Write it down. Maybe it's the next new thing. Maybe it's a toy. Maybe it's all the stuff. A new, the new phone. A new car. For what do you sacrifice your money? On the flip side, do you sacrifice your things for the church, the the wide church, in helping your community, your schools, the needy, our food banks? When you're hurt, where do you turn for comfort? When you're hurt, when you're sad, when you're frustrated, where do you turn for comfort? Maybe you turn to substances, maybe to other people, either a good relationship, a bad relationship. In our, in our world, some people turn to self-harm. Some people turn to food. What, wh- when you're hurt, where do you turn for comfort? Instead... Can we turn to prayer, to worship? Can we run to Jesus like a child runs to their mother when they're hurt? You know, they'll come and hunt you down if they fall and skin their knee for a Band-Aid or a kiss or a hug. So can we run to Jesus like a child to their mother? What disappoints or frustrates you the most? For me, this is the virus, because I think it's mostly because I work in healthcare. 
and everything is changing and people are on edge and you know I got to this and I thought well what does that tell me about my relationship with Jesus what disappoints or frustrates you the most and you know what if we gave this to Jesus what if I gave you know the frustrations I have with co-workers and even patients, you know, mask wearing. What if I gave those frustrations to Jesus? Put him above this virus. What disappoints or frustrates you the most? Last question is, what is it that really gets you excited? really gets you excited and happy for the day, for tomorrow, for your future. Maybe it's vacations, sports, new cars, television, movies. What really gets you excited? I uh, was reading uh, an example of this, and it said uh, this father, dad was watching a sports game, and he got, you know, they got a, it was football. He got a touchdown. He jumped out of his seat. He was yelling. He was, hurt, you know, just super excited. And the daughter walks around the corner and says to him, well, what happened? I've never seen you so excited. These are church-going people. This was, you know, and he thought in that very moment, thought to himself, wow, she's never seen me more excited than watching a football game. So instead, can we get excited for life change, for healing, for people who are serving, for you who are serving? Following Jesus means following him alone. Fans don't want to put Jesus on the throne of their hearts, which is what we're asked to do. Put Jesus on the throne of your heart. But instead, fans want to keep a couch on their heart. There's just a couch there. And there's a cushion, and Jesus gets the cushion on a fan's heart. He's not the throne, he's not the king, he's a cushion. He is asked to share the space. Jesus makes it clear that he's not interested in sharing your heart, in sharing your life. Luke 14 makes it clear that if we follow him, we follow him alone. He won't share us. Not with, a, not with money, not with your career, not even with your family. He makes it clear that he wants us to be loved. He, let me just say that again. He is making it clear that he wants us to love him this way. Give him our everything. But the cool thing and the even more powerful thing is that that is how he loves us. He loves us with his everything. Every day, we need to ask ourselves, am I a fan? Am I a fan today? Or am I truly a follower? Every day, reflect on that question. Am I doing this right? There's no perfect way to do it. Your life looks different than mine. Your walk with Jesus, your understanding of Jesus looks different than mine. But are you doing it right? And an even better question to ask is, are you at peace with your choices and your relationship with Jesus? 
if the answer is no to that, reflect, change, pray, read your Bible, seek guidance, seek those who have done this longer, who, have, who are wiser, who have something to give you. Seek Jesus. And remember that he's asking a great deal from us to give him everything, but he has given us everything. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we get to come to you every day and every moment, that you're there waiting, waiting for us to approach you, waiting for us to, to let our lives fall to the side, to let our distractions fall away. You're there. You're there waiting for us to say, yes, here's my life. Here's my everything, Lord. God, may we learn to, to love you like you love us. Jesus, may you teach us more each day, each moment, about how you love us so that we can show that love to others. Jesus, let us be the followers that you've made us to be. May we give our all for you. God, I thank you for, for those people in the room today, for those people who are joining us online. I thank you for, for their lives, for their passion in you. And I pray that you would grow them like those good seeds in that good soil. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.